Hi, good morning, and I'm Kezia, brain injury survivor and a member of BIND. And hi, I'm Carrie, stroke survivor and a member of BIND as well. Welcome to BIND Waves. And today we're happy to invite Dr. Shavlotsky, or as we like to call him Dr. S, because that sure is easier for most of us, um, to tell us about how vision can change after a brain injury. He is a neuro-ophthalmologist, another big word I just slow down for, and owns his own practice. He has volunteered with BIND, and also several of his members are his patients. And some fun facts, he is a pilot. Our connection for Dr. S and I, when we first got to know each other, when he start, first started volunteering for BIND, was, of course, our love for the Dallas Stars. And it's especially great to have him here on game day. Go Stars. And Go welcome, stars. Dr. S. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my only correct correction there, I'm a neurooptometrist, oh. not a neurooptomologist. But Sorry. No, that's, that's okay. Good to know. We, no, we get them backwards again. Brain right. injury. Right. <laughs> so We like your slide for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have read the website better. Welcome to Bindways, the official podcast of the Brain Injury Network of Dallas. I'm Brian White, Bind's Executive Director. On each episode, we'll be providing insight into the brain injury community. We'll be talking to members and professionals regarding their stories and the important role of Binds Clubhouse. We work as a team to inspire hope, community, and a sense of purpose to survivors, caregivers, and the public. Thank you for tuning in to Bindwaves. Let's get on with the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this study. Oh, great question. Um, I, I've been in practice now for 33 years, and... Um, I have always worked with, I started out working with kids, uh, primarily like learning related vision problems, autism, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, things of that nature, developmental delays. Um, and I was able to help a lot of kids over the years. And um, about, oh gosh, it's almost 19 years ago now, I got a call from a rehab facility here in Dallas, uh, seeing if I'd be willing to see brain injury patients um, and because, because we were doing vision therapy and they felt like, uh, that doing uh, vision therapy for brain injury would be something that would be very, very good. And they had previous success working with other neurooptometrists out in California. So basically I said, you know, sure, let's, let's see what we could figure out. I'm never one to, <laughs> to, to kind of turn an eye to an opportunity like that. And um, so I started seeing brain injury patients, um, and they're bringing me four or five in a day, and we go through them, and, uh, and I'd learn. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I realized I, I had more to learn, so I went to the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association meeting in Boston. This is probably 2003 or so, and, or 2004 probably. And uh, so I learned a lot more, and, um, and now... I've gone to about 15 of them <laughs> since, wow. um, and now I'm currently the vice president of the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association. Oh, wow. So um, basically, uh, I've learned so much over the years. Um, I, I started uh, about eight years ago, we started doing inpatient care as well uh, at Baylor Institute for Rehabilitation in uh, Frisco. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, we started at Baylor uh, Scott and White Institute for Rehabilitation in Dallas. Um, and we have a few other bailers that are interested in, in have adding us because what they found out is our patient, their patient outcomes were much improved mm -hmm. comparatively to before our, they, we offered vision services. So it's something that's been a real value added for, for, for certainly their, their organization. Um, so, so we've definitely added the inpatient piece of it. 
Um, and then throughout, I've also had the opportunity to teach many, many people over the years. Okay. So yes. I've, I have a residency program, so I have a one-year residency. Um, we, have, we usually have two fourth-year optometry students that will spend you know, some time in our office. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also have a lot of OTs and PTs that will rotate through our office as well just to learn yeah. what's the vision piece. So right. yeah. um, it's pretty exciting to be able to do that. And, of course, I also teach other optometrists at seminars. As I was telling you, I'm headed to Guadalajara tomorrow to teach two courses on uh, neurological vision care. So, uh, fun stuff and yeah, uh, awesome fun. Busy too. Busy. Yeah. yeah. Keeps well, me very busy. I know you're always yeah. busy. That all sounds really fun though. Guadalajara to be going. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So, one of the things that I was just listening to you, and I feel like I'm learning like as I'm listening to you one, how to say optometrist and ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist. <laughs> ophthalmologist. Okay. So, one of the things as I'm listening to you too is like, what is the main differences between those two um, careers? Like, you know, you started one way, then now you're more focused on another. Yes, ophthalmology is largely stru- more on the structural basis. If there's something okay. structurally going on with the optic nerve or other nerve tissue or um, or, or muscles or something of that nature, that's yeah. where the neuro-ophthalmologist will, plays a role. Our basic verb on it is more rehabilitative. Okay. What can we do to make you better? What can we do to improve your quality of life, your activities of daily living? So that are we're far more like the therapist, like the, the occupational physical therapist in the in right. the medical world than we are like someone who's dealing with like structure. I can give give you medication, give you do do a surgical procedure. That's not that's not our piece of the puzzle. Okay. Oh, okay. Awesome. So thank you. I'm sure the training schoolwork for both is similar but like what does that kind of look like is that a lot i'm sure it's a lot but i mean is that how time uh, oh time? training <laughs> my training i mean you, know, you said you're still learning and you, you never stop learning um <laughs> there's always something to learn um but as i said i started off just you know going to a nora meeting um learning a little bit then taking it to practice the next day and working with it and then going back the next year learning a little bit more and taking it to practice and ultimately what i found out is i actually developed therapies of my own along the way things that i felt like were helping my patients more so and now i teach those methodologies so i've actually developed uh, several different treatments um, that have been really really effective in helping our patients improve yeah i'm like Show up blind a little bit because I seriously I'm like listening to and I have like a million questions, <laughs> but we only and, have time for the ones we yes. have. And also, like we ask um, a lot of our bind members too because we see so many doctors, so many, um, so so many people to go through the therapy. So and through go through getting better every day. Uh, so one of the main questions really is like, how does a brain work with the eyes? Like, how does that happen? You know, like what, what happens after brain injury and how does that affect your eyes? Well, the first thing you should do, shouldn't do is separate the eye and the brain. It's the same thing. In fact, okay. if you think of, if you even go back to fetal tissue, the eye is derived from brain tissue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's part of the brain if you want to think of it that way. Okay. Um, and so, so say you've had a brain injury. Um, obviously, a tra- traumatic brain injury and a stroke are gonna look a little different Mm-hmm. They're going to have some different thing aspects to them, yes. but in essence, um, where a brain injury tends to be more diffuse and a stroke tends to be more, you know, regional in nature. Like for instance, a stroke patient who has a left occipital stroke, 
they're probably going to have a visual field loss on one side, and it's going to yeah. be pretty consistent no matter what. Uh, the person with a diffuse axonal injury, they may have more problems with light sensitivity. They may have more trouble with tracking, uh, visual spatial skills, things of that nature than the stroke patient. So you may have slightly different elements that you'll see um, between the two, the two, but essentially from a therapeutic standpoint, you're going to make some changes that are going to improve, ultimately improve whatever their situation is. The other thing we see in both situations, then there's commonalities too, like uh, cranial nerve palsies. Um, I had a patient in this morning who had a six cranial nerve palsy from a, a from an automobile accident, but we can also have that with a stroke. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can have certain things uh, that will a- affect them, and so we're, we started some therapeutic interventions. Um, that are geared to the specific problem set that the individual brings. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that kind of answered my next question, but and like, what's the most common change to a person's vision? But it sounds like you kind of answered that question. That's pretty common depending on the type of injury, but then again, it's not. So I'm guessing that you do, like you said, you're kind of like the offsite, you know, you're kind of like the neuro OT or all those others. You, you have to really get to know the patient to figure out what is their deficit and what direction to go. Guessing. Yeah. I think, I think uh, one of the things I teach, you know, the other optometrists when I teach courses is the first thing I teach them is one simple statement. You've seen one brain injury, you've seen one brain injury. Right. Yes. <laughs> and exactly. there's no greater truth. Absolutely. Okay. So obviously every, every, every patient I treat as a unique situation because mm-hmm. um, you can have two people that have exactly the same thing but totally different symptoms. Yeah. So uh, you, tr- you treat it that way so that you can, um, uh, you can develop a personalized treatment program that's going to be individualized for that. Yeah person mm-hmm. and i think right now and as you were talking to i was trying to like remember same thing like as uh, i had a stroke in december 2017 and at first when i woke up like i couldn't see i saw doubles everywhere everywhere mm-hmm. and then i obviously i've been getting better every day and i don't have those things anymore but the thing that i was taught um i couldn't like really see towards all the way to my right. So as I tried to read and go through speech therapy, I couldn't realize that I was missing all these Step words. On the right side, yeah. Right. So then reading was hard, but it was because I also couldn't see very good. So all these things. So like that to me was helping by like um, a, I think it was like a, I don't know, something to measure. And I just had to remember it goes all the way to 10 and I just read up to eight and that's it to keep going to the right. But what other kind of things, treatments, do you use for people that have some difficulties or some things that have changed them in their eyes? Well, obviously, we have to we kind of break it down. So we may have a situation where, yeah. um, you know, they have if they're a younger patient, they may have trouble with near far focus. Yeah. So we'll work on near far focus. Some people, it's convergence, or yeah. you have a cranial nerve palsy, so they can't work their eyes together as a team. So we got to work on the eye teaming aspect of it. For some people, it's tracking. We have two mm-hmm. types of tracking. We have a smooth pursuit movement that's like watching a car go down the street or watching a ball or a hockey puck for you. <laughs> um, and then there's the saccadic eye movement. I'm looking at you and I want to look at you. I make that jump movement, which is also the movement we use for reading. So we have to look at those pursuit and saccadic eye movements to see how, they, uh, how they've been impacted by the, by the injury. 
the other interesting thing, I look at both of you being young ladies, mm-hmm. and you both had strokes, right? Yes. And one of the things that I've noticed over the last probably six, seven years is how many young people are having strokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really shocking. Um, you know, in my mind, it was always an old person disorder. Exactly. But yeah. we're seeing so many young people. I've had people as young as 17, 18 years old that have strokes. So um, I think that's something we have to recognize and try to figure out why are we seeing this? I mean, that's the, that's the big question. Why are we seeing so many young people with strokes? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Let me take a quick second to remind all our listeners to go ahead and hit, click that like button, that notify button, share when you're done listening, and let us know if you have any other questions. And like you said, Kezi and I both have had stroke. Mine was on the right side, hers was on the left. So I did have left neglect, very bad. You know, I had the same thing. They would highlight the left side of the page and give me the word program. program. I'm like, I can't find half these words. They're like, well, Carrie, you're not looking at half the page. And if you were standing right to my left, you didn't exist in my world. Just didn't exist. And that slowly over time with cognitive therapy and that, you know, got better on, on just with me practicing and, you know, I when I decided to go back to drive, that was my biggest fear. And I got a, tr- you know, student trainer driver to help me, and I still worry about that some. But so I guess the big question that a lot of our listeners and our members have is if you have eye vision problems, are you, can you get better? Just because, I mean, you know, like I feel like I got better, and but I know there are a lot of things that you can do. But, I mean, just, you know, doesn't mean that you're forever going to have those problems. I mean, you maybe will forever have those problems, but they are fixable or Absolutely. I mean, think about it. I mean, first of all, it's interesting. You guys are mirror images of each other. But, <laughs> yeah. but there's actually a big difference between a left neglect and a right neglect, believe it or not. Um, left neglect is far more significant. Um, yeah, um, it, it, in, in a sense that you almost have no perception of the left side of the world. Exactly. It doesn't even exist to you. Where right neglect is, there's something over there, but mm-hmm. I don't want to go there. Yeah. So that's perceptually, that's the difference between our left neglect and our right yeah, neglect, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think from from the other perspective is, yeah, obviously with therapy, we can improve people dramatically. Um, you know, I can I, I tell people I can't. I don't know if I can get you back to where you were. In fact, I tell people quite frequently with strokes, is I can't bring back what's gone. I can only make better what you have. So our focus is on making better what you have, but also kind of rebuilding some of the neural circuits mm-hmm. that, that have been damaged. We can do that. I've taken people with, you know, um, different scenario, you know, different situations where they, they couldn't track at all. They couldn't, they had left inattention or right inattention, and we get them back to full attention. Um, right. And we take them people with poor tracking and get them better tracking or convergence insufficiency. The inability to converge the eyes is one of the biggest problems we see after a traumatic brain injury or a stroke. And it's something that's very, very treatable. So these things are all very, very treatable and very, you know, you can certainly improve a person's skill. But if they mm-hmm. have a left visual field loss, for instance, mm-hmm. they have a left visual field loss. I can't help that, but I can teach you not to miss it. Right. That's the thing that we try to do is, hey, I know I have a left visual field loss, but I'll, I'll learn to track my eyes more efficiently to the left side so I don't miss what I'm missing. Right. I still get started when people come up on my left. Mm-hmm. I have to tell people at the hockey game, like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the same. Well, not the same for me, but I, I have to remember. And sometimes with reading, that's still an issue for me. I get tired because I have to like remember that I'm not reading the whole paragraph. But thank you so much for that. So, like I said, I'm like learning so much. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, so what kind of like, 
once people have a brain injury or stroke, like, is there some testing that all these patients or all these like survivors have to go through for um, by an ophthalmologist? Um, yeah, I, th- I think for, from my perspective, um, uh, there's definitely specific tests that we look at um, to try to get people through. Okay. Um, obviously, we can do um, our traditional eye care optometric tests. We want to make sure you're, you know, what your refractive area is. We want to take a look at your eye health. We want to look at all those things. But that's where that's where the similarities stop, and mm-hmm. then yeah. we then we start looking very much closer at at some of the skills we talked about: near far focus, tracking, um, convergence and divergence, visual spatial skills cognitive skills, perceptual skills, which all can take a hit from, from a right. traumatic in, or, or neurologic injury of any type. Yeah. So we have to go, it's much more extensive. Our average evaluation um, is about two and a half hours total oh, wow. time to three hours total time. So um, we definitely uh, spend a lot of time and effort to, to, to really figure out exactly what's wrong and then which, which will help us in turn figure out the best treatment plan. So ultimately, it's about figuring out the best treatment plan to get people fixed as rapidly and as efficiently as we can make them go. So it's all about maximizing performance, ultimately. That makes sense. Now, I know you said you started with children, Mm -hmm. and now you're doing neuro patients. Do you still see other patients other than neuro, or are you strictly neuro? Uh, We we still see probably about half our patients are children and half our patients are neuro patients. So we see a a wide variety. I Um, mean, I guess the children with the... Deficits that you talked about, those are still somewhat neuro. Yeah, I mean, it's basically. True. Basically, a pro- visual processing problem is a visual processing problem at the end of the day. Right. So yeah. whether it's a child who's having difficulty in school or a person who's been through a traumatic brain injury, in fact, a lot of the treatment methods are exactly the same. Okay. okay. Um, it's just a matter of how you present the present it to the individual, uh, but you can do th- what we call loading or loading or unloading a, a, an activity. Mm-hmm. So you give them an activity to do. Um, so say you have a child. So we might do more cartoons or more fun stuff. For an adult, we might do more letters and numbers and things like that. Then we can work with like we work with athletes too, right? So I could take a athlete who has perfectly normal vision but i need to make it elite level so i'm doing the exact same procedure but i'm making them so i might be having them work like the child i might have work on a light board and they're hitting hitting buttons on the side and then for the adult i might do it with letters and for the athlete i may have them do it while standing on a balance board dribbling a basketball (laughs) you see what i'm saying so it's the same activity but you're at you're loading that skill up um, higher and higher levels depending on what you're trying to accomplish. That's okay. crazy. Awesome. Well, right now that you were talking about like um, having three different kind of patients or people that are, are you're, you're serving, but um, do you have like a story or something about like a complicated case and how you help them and how they are now? Like that, do you get to, do you also get to see the process? Oh, I've probably got hundreds of stories. Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I, I, there's this one young lady I think about who was in a car accident at age 17 or 18, I can't remember, and um, she's actually even working over at Baylor right now in the research department, but um, she had a left hemonymous hemonopsia, or left visual field loss. Yeah, left visual field loss, for clarification, and um, she, you know, she had difficulty with walking, and diff- I'm actually, when I first met her, she was in a wheelchair. 
Um, and now she, she's finished college. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, her, her tracking is good. She still has, I mean, I, I gave her some techniques to help her with the left visual field loss. Um, we did some special lenses for her. We've, we did, we did a, a, a virtually about a year of vision training with her, uh, a year or two vision training with her, and she really operates as a normal person today. Yet she still has deficits, mm-hmm. but she operates as a normal person today. Oh, awesome. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah, especially because it started at such a young age and she's successful. You know, it doesn't put a hold on anybody. Right. Like regardless of what happened, kept her on and now she she works at a hospital. You know, the truth is, the truth is my my, my saying has always been no limits. Yes. Okay. I don't put limitations on anybody. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what your maximum capability is So when you come in, and I don't know what your maximum capability is at the end. Um, right. my, my, my goal is to give you tools to utilize so that you can move yourself forward. Well, and I, I think that that's true, that that's one thing that we're trying to get across with this podcast as well, is that just because you've had a brain injury doesn't mean life is over. There is still more to do, more to accomplish. You can get better. You can continue going on. Before we wrap up, I just want to ask you or to remind me, because I don't really remember, how you got involved with BIND. Oh, um, great question. I'm trying to have to think back to that one. But <laughs> I think what happened was um, uh, I saw I saw a few patients uh, right at the beginning of BIND, okay. I mean, or actually even, even predecessing BIND. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also met your original director and when, cause who was working with these patients also. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I treated them and, uh, and then when they created bind, you know, certainly I was one, of, I was a day one person with bind, right. you know, and yes. evolved from the very beginning. So, um, that's kind of how I remember it. Um, but, uh, I've seen many of the members here at bind. Yes, so, I, I know some of them that are there. And I know you've come and spoke at some of our support groups that we've had over the years. And we appreciate all you do for BIND. And we especially appreciate you coming out here and talking as, to us today because we both learned a lot. Like, I may have messed up in the beginning on what you were, but I'm still going to get them confused. But it's crazy how much there is to learn, still learn. I thought that after 13 years of a stroke that I knew all kinds of neuro stuff, but... And I'm not going to get a degree anytime soon, but that's okay. But thank you again so much for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Always here to support Bind. Thank you. Thank you for, again, teaching every day. And I just want to remind all of our subscribers to make sure to listen to us and to like us and share all of our posts. Every Thursday, you can log into your social, all your social media to listen to us. And keep on listening to us. See you next time. See you next time. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Bind Waves and continue to support Bind and our nonprofit mission. We support brain injury survivors as they reconnect into the life, the community, and their workplace. And we couldn't do that without great listeners like you. We appreciate each and every one of you. Continue watching. Until next time. Until next time.